This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Gordon's still working with Chris Canty in the morning. We'll talk Mets, we'll talk Yankees, and what the heck is going on with the Jets and these injuries? Let's talk about it. At 1-800-919-3776. That's the number to join us on this Tuesday night edition of ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN along with Brian the Brain Mangia and Jacob J.P. Perry. I'm here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN. Also hit me up on Twitter at Hardest to ESPN, A-E-S-P-N-N-Y, 98 underscore 7 FM. So I got a verbal beating from Brian the Brain last night. Because as I said good night to you last night, I said good night and I and I called Brian JP. And let me explain the logic. I am uh, after after Thursday's show this week, I am headed on vacation. Normally on Thursdays, JP works. Clearly my mind is already on vacation. <laughs> Clearly. For a moment last night. I was ready to take off and say, in the words of Michael K, see ya. See ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you, if he was calling the game at City Field, he'd, he'd be he'd be horse. <laughs> ball flying out of that ballpark, unfortunately, not with the Mets. Who trail right now by the score of 8 nothing as the Giants continue to bat in the top of the ninth. And remember, I said, I, now, now I still have hope. Because remember, I said, I hope the Mets would find a way to take a series. It would be nice if they could take a series from the Giants. And barring a big nine-run comeback in the bottom of the ninth inning, where they send, oh, about 15 men to the plate, I'll be looking forward to tomorrow with Taiwan Walker. But once again, what can I say? The Yankees are doing their job. They haven't done their job. They are doing their job. They're up 5-3 with Atlanta batting in the bottom of the eighth. They beat the Braves last night. They're beating them tonight. So what I asked of the Yankees, they are doing. But once again, as I mentioned, the Mets have to do their part also. And they have not done it tonight. Now, perhaps they will do it after the Giants leave town. I can only hope. I can only hope. But as if that wasn't bad enough news, Jacob DeGrom, we have an update on Jacob DeGrom. We'll hear from Zach Scott, the acting general manager, in a second. But here's the latest on Jacob DeGrom. He's expected to start a throwing program. Oh, joy. If the scan, the MRI, brings good news. So the question for Zach Scott, the acting general manager, very simply is this. So when is DeGrom's next MRI? Tomorrow he'll have that MRI. We'll get a look at kind of how things are progressing. If we see continued improvement like we saw the last time, then the expectation would be to start getting him on a throwing program. And Zach, when can DeGrom start throwing? It's hard to have an exact timeline on that. I mean, 
as you guys know, we transferred him to 60 days. So the absolute earliest he could come back would be September 13th, but I'd expect it to be after that, you know, not necessarily on that date, but sometime after that. So, but again, just like I said on Noah, it's something that we have to take it day by day. The whole point of ramping him up is to see if he can get back to where he needs to be before he can be activated without having, while remaining asymptomatic. That was me groaning, not Zach Scott. Uh, Zach Scott on what they can learn from DeGrom pitching late this season. We'll learn about how he's doing physically. I mean, it's important for him to be, you know, in a good place going in the offseason. It can influence how we set up his offseason plan, uh, his, what he's going to do for, in terms of working out, a throwing program, all those types of things. You, you learn a lot about the player whenever he's pitching in, in competition. So there's value there, even if, you know, even if he never gets in a game, just getting him to that point to see how he responds physically. And I think we'll learn something that'll help us going forward. Right. Shut him down the rest of the season. That would just be me. Shut him down the rest of the season. I'll find out how he responds next season. Shut him down. If if this MRI pushes him past where he would pitch it all, past where you're thinking about, well, we can maybe get him going last week of the season, for me, we're good. Especially if this team continues to be where they are right now. Shut him down. Let's We'll start with next season. Because here's the alternative. You bring him back and, God forbid, something else happens. Now, you're still in the same situation of, well, you know, what are we going to do? What, what can we expect from him next season? So for me, I'm saying, shut him down. Shut him down. Shut him, shut him down. Shut him down. There's no need. We'll worry about next season, next season. Unless there is a slither of hope by the 13th, if, if the Mets are out of it, shut him down. I'm done. I'm done. Let's not, let's not pressure him. Let's not bring him in to only lose him again. That's my take on it. And that's bad news for the Mets. The Yankees, Zach Britton, on the injured list with a sprained elbow, according to Aaron Boone before the game today, might require some kind of surgery to repair the injury. Now, if it's Tommy John surgery, that means no Britain this season, but all of next season, which, oh, by the way, is the end of his contract. You signed him to a two-year deal. Now, according to Boone, he's still kind of gathering opinions. This is what Boone said of Britain, who went on the IL on Monday for the third time this season. He's going to see a Northern Orthopedist while the team is on the West Coast, and they'll make a decision. Once again, hopefully it's not. Here's what you need. For me, hopefully it's something that you make the decision on right now. If it's the elbow, stop fooling around with it. Okay? Shut him down. Again, he's been inconsistent. There's something going on. He's not this bad of a pitcher. He's not been good this season. He's not been consistent. He's been on and off the IL. If it's the elbow, go ahead and do what you got to do. And you'll get somebody else to pitch the eighth because it hasn't been him pitching the eighth, and we know and we know he's not in position to close. So that's that. Corey Kluber, Brian DeBrain, very happy to hear that he uh, 
After tonight, they will make a decision on whether he will need one more rehab start or whether he'll be inserted into the rotation, probably replacing Heaney, who I'm sure many Yankee fans are would, even though he pitched well against Boston, did not do badly here tonight. But uh, you know, I'm sure they have you. You're done with him. You want him out of the rotation. Oh, what are you gonna do? Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. <laughs> but what are you gonna do? Put him in the bullpen? Uh-uh. <laughs> He's not a bullpen guy. He might be a long relief guy if you go going postseason, but he not he's not bullpen guy, not by a long shot. What then are you bringing him in? That's what I thought. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls. Plus, the odds makers have spoken about the New York Knicks and where they think how many wins they will have. I want to see what you think about what they say. All that's next on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at hardest to ESPN, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Before I get to the phone calls, after I said goodnight to you last night, I was perusing the television, and I saw Stephen A. Smith. I saw Stephen A. Smith on Jimmy Kimmel. I said, that's Stephen A. Smith? What's he doing on Jimmy Kimmel? He was funny. He was good. I was impressed with him. It's, you know, network, late night TV. Telling you, he's. I give him credit. He's he's all over the place. He's doing a bunch of things right now. He and he was funny. Let me let me give you this excerpt of him um, last night talking about, well, what you guys already know. He don't ever sleep. Listen, this is really really exciting. A beautiful moment for me. I've got a TV show that's on in the morning. A TV show that's in the afternoon. I cover the NBA for ESPN. Okay, I have a recovery role on my favorite soap opera, General Hospital. I'm a surveillance expert for the mob and mob boss Sonny Corinthos. And now here I am in late night. Okay, it's 24 hours a day of Stephen A. Watch out, Ryan Seacrest. I'm coming for your ass. I'm coming for you. <laughs> and he even did some skits, like meditation. I want you to take a deep breath and imagine that you're standing in the middle of a beautiful garden. Madison Square Garden. It's game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Fourth quarter. Two minutes to go and you're down nine. Spike Lee is drowning in a puddle of his own tears. It's up to you to put the Knicks on your back and carry that franchise to their first conference title in 22 years. He was good. He was good. Hope he gets some more opportunities to do it. Hats off. Nice job, Stephen A. Nice job. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Let's see who is there. Oh, Spike in St. Pete. He's up first on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Spike. Hey, we did this last night. We're in about the same spot, except the uh, Mets. Uh, all right, Spike. Up again. All right, all right, all right. Well, you just got to win this series. Listen, it's uh, we've been. It's, the Yankees look like they're in the same spot. So you're telling me the NBA under overs came out? Uh, this is just a Vegas. This is um, the Westbrook Superbook. Westgate Superbook. Pretty- Superbook. Well, let me guess. Let me Go guess uh, if you got them in front of you. I, yeah. I, I just. Um, you want the Knicks first? Yeah, give them, I only have the Knicks. That's the only one I have. 
Uh, I, I would think the Knicks will drop to six or seven and be about five hundred ten. Okay, so they have them winning. Uh, the Nick total is forty two point five. Okay, I'm close, close, one yep. game off, and yep. I would think the top two would be Brooklyn and uh, Milwaukee. I would think so because the Lake. Yeah, because because the Lake is playing the West. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think the Knicks will be four or five games. You made a very uh, terrific point last night that bring along these youngsters who played in the summer league, and when the trading deadline comes. Uh, you see what you want to do. Don't give away anything. But I want to talk a little bit about the Yankees here. Let's see. They're just, they're just, you know, and again, it's the same thing. I love talking to you as much as I can. You know that. But mm-hmm. I really feel that um, this could just continue. They look like they're hitting on all cylinders. They're defending well. Uh, let's see if Chapman has another easy inning. I'm assuming he's coming in. And, um, it should be really good, and your and you match, you just got to win two out of three. It's a big hole to dig out of. They got, I told you a month ago, she put the Grom on the shelf. Oh, Why yeah. bother with it now? Exactly. Right? So, I mean, but that's it. The Yankees are really fun to watch. They're playing great baseball, and uh, the only thing is this team about five miles from where I live doesn't lose. They're really good, Tampa. I watch they them are. a lot. You know, I peek in anyway because I have the package, but uh, they're really a well-oiled machine. You know, uh, listen, Charlie Morton, he, he, he pitched well, really well all year. They get rid of him, uh, and then he signs on with, uh, with the Hawks, uh, with the Hawks, with the, uh, my baseball, basketball. Mm-hmm. With the, uh, right, right. So, so you listen, it's what it is, I, I think. I just don't think that's going to happen. The ebb, back to the ebb and flow. They'll lose a game or two here and there, but yeah. they're very deep, and they look like they're having a good time. Would you agree? Yeah, they do. They, there's a different energy about this club. You see it. There's a, there's a different confidence, and the thing with this team now, and I don't think they had it before, Spike, and thanks for the phone call, is even when they're down, they still believe they can come back and win. And I don't think they felt that way early. Okay, I, You didn't see that. You saw them do what I said the Mets were doing on the West Coast, where they were just gripping the ball and, and you could gripping the bat and you could just see the sawdust. <laughs> on their gloves and rolling rolling on the dirt of the pressure of making sure that they try to get a hit. Okay? So, but that's not what the Yankees are doing right now. And the other thing that makes them the Yankees so tough is it's not just one guy. You got a bunch of different guys that are contributing. Okay, I mean, look at the game tonight. You got Stanton with a home run. You got DJ has a home run. You got Odor with a home run. You got Sanchez with a key uh, hit to the opposite field. I mean, you got different guys who are doing it every single night. That's what Boone said last night, and he's right. And see, that's what makes it so good. You're not relying on just one guy. You see right now with the Mets, the way they're struggling, the only guy that's really been consistent has been Pete Alonso. He's the only guy that's really been consistent offensively. Since the All-Star break. It's been just him. Yeah, Conforto has shown you some signs. Nimmo's shown you some signs. McNeil has shown you some signs. Davis had a couple of nice at-bats. But it's been all Alonzo. That's, that, that, that's the way it's been. 
And so, no, that you, you do see a different Yankee team. And you see it. The way this Yankee team is playing right now, you know, they. I don't expect them to go out and sweep series, but I expect them to win series the way they're playing. I just think they'll go out, they'll, they'll, they have a chance to win every series they play. That's the way they're hitting right now. I mean, we talk about how amazing they have been to get to the wild card. They're four games behind the race. Starting to play tonight, four games. I mean, they, they you couldn't even see the Rays a couple of months ago <laughs> from where they were. And they have the Rays at the end of the season. So that's going to be interesting. Right? The schedule makers, sometimes they do some weird stuff, but the endings, the endings are fascinating. Right? The endings are fascinating. Like at the end of the season, the Mets are in Atlanta. And at the end of the season, the Yankees are facing the Rays. And that's the way it should be. There's a chance where you could still, there's a chance you can still, if you hang close, you can still pass whoever's in first place. You can still do it. And Chatwood just hit J.D. Davis in the head. Looks like it. Knocked his helmet off. Pitch obviously got away from him. Mets now have the bases loaded with two outs on that hit batter. That's scary. That is really, really scary. And immediately, Chatwood hopped off the mound. I mean, I if I were a pitcher, I don't know how you could look, it just got away from him. No, it got no, it didn't hit him. It did look like it didn't hit him. But he got close. He ducked his head. So I thought he hit the helmet. But it was up. It was it was a fastball move. It like it followed him. It's like nowhere wherever he went, the fastball was moving right into him. And he turned the other way, tried to duck his head, but he still got hit. I think I hit like upper back. Let's see it again as they show it on the replay. Yeah, like right by the, yeah, like right up. Whoa. He's like, oh, okay, I'm all right. That's that's scary. That's scary. Plus, 90 plus mile an hour hour fastball headed towards your head. Excuse me. That's pretty scary. That's pretty scary. So we'll see. If the Mets can, uh, you know, make this interesting. Make this interesting. Get some good at bats here, you know, see what they can do. 1-800-919-3776, 1-800-919-3776, also via Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Chad Green, two innings pitch, only gave up two hits, so a little struggle in the in the eighth, but nevertheless, he was able to uh, keep the game as is, and so now we'll see how, uh, you know, Araldis Chapman does when he comes in. We'll talk about that, and we'll get your thoughts on the Las Vegas odds makers. Do you believe that the Knicks will have, and I know it's early, but I'm just curious. Do you believe the Knicks will have at least as many wins this year as they had last year? And remember, that's not good. And I'll explain why next. Jeff McNeil grounds out with the bases loaded to end the game, so the Mets are shut out by the Giants. Eight zip. Aroldis Chapman. On to pitch the bottom of the ninth in Atlanta. Runner on. 
And one out still. That's the check swing. I thought, uh, you know, I thought he went around. Hmm. All right. So already uh, making it a little tough on the Raulders Chapman. So as we mentioned before the break, according to the Westgate Superbook, came out with this over-unders for wins Tuesday, and I'm really focused on the Knicks. They say the Knicks total will be 42.5. So remember, they were 41 and 31 last year because they had 72 games. So even a even a winning bet would leave the Knicks at 43 and 39, which is you know a, diff, a different winning percentage. It's not as good. The Knicks were 10 games over 500 last year. That would make them four games over 500 this year, in 82 games. And it's true, they could be a better team and have a worse record, A, because you're playing more games, and B, because teams around you have gotten better. Washington's better. Brooklyn, if everybody plays, will be better than they are this year. And it will be interesting to see if, if what Patty Mills has left and if he had, if he can play the way he's played for years in San Antonio, that makes their bench very tough. And Blake Griffin comes back and is healthy. That they're going to be listen. They were odds-on favorite to win to win it all last year. They're actually a little better. They're a little better. So, you know, they they're good. Atlanta's we know what Atlanta is. They're good. So listen, the Eastern Conference, Boston should be better. The Eastern Conference is no joke. And this division is not going to be easy. And we haven't even mentioned the world champion, Milwaukee Bucks. Right? So the question is, as we were talking earlier, is what do you do? What's the the chemistry going to be with this team? I was reading where the Knicks are entertaining extending Mitchell Robinson, that he has bulked up. I'm excited to see him, that he's bulked up and could be more of a presence around the basket. That should be good. I still would hope that he has got some offensive moves around the basket and not just sitting out there in three-point land, you know, trying to be, you know, Paul Gasol or somebody like that shooting threes. You know, when you have when you have the lob ability and you have the ability to be a force around the basket, like be around the basket. Can, can we have a big man that, that wants to be in the paint instead of one that wants to just shoot from three? Listen, I get the, the versatility that you would love to have. I get that. But can I have somebody that wants to be in the painted area that wants to get the ball and may have easy life? <laughs> and maybe that'll be Mitchell Robinson. All right, and the one thing you like here is the center position, if indeed he is healthy, you've got it locked. Okay, you've got him, you've got Nerlens Noel, and you've got Taj Gibson. So you've got that, that versatility there that you like to see. So, and especially as the, because the identity of this Nick team clearly is defense, right? But I'm curious to see how these young players are going to work out. Right, I'm very curious, and, and I know it's summer league, but nevertheless, what you saw from Obi Toppin and what you saw, maybe not the first game, but the games as the summer league went on, 
then you saw that they were, you know, Emmanuel Quickly was much better. Yeah, I know he was at the guard, he was at the point guard spot, and I'm not ready to make him a point guard yet. Okay. But uh nevertheless, you know, you want to see what he can do there, and that's what they did. So I, I'm very curious to see how that's going to to turn out. So guys like that, obviously with a year in the league, you want to see what they've improved on. Toppin was Toppin was good, like what you saw from Toppin. Hopefully that will allow him to get some more playing time. Okay, hopefully. Uh, but once again, he's got to be good on defense. Otherwise, he's, you know, the deal. He's not going to play. Simple as that. How much time will Quentin Grimes get? I don't know. Miles McBride, yeah, he showed you something. He can hit some threes. He he appeared to be a three-point maker for most of the of the summer league. So you like what you see in him. So these so it's really for me, it's about the young players. It's about these young guys, what they bring to the table, how much do they contribute, which over the eighty-two games allows your veterans and your starters to possibly, out of the kindness of Tom Thibodeau's heart, to maybe lessen the starters five minutes. So instead of them playing 35 to 40, maybe they get 30 to 35 minutes. Okay, that's what you're hoping. That's what I'm hoping at least. And you may you may laugh at this, and I would expect you to, and it's okay if you do. But I want to see if Kevin Knox has made any improvements at all if he's made any improvements in his footwork defensively or if he can get his offense to be more consistent. Whereas at least if you've got a defensive guy on the, on the floor with your second team and you need somebody to score, he could be that he could be one of the go-to guys on that second unit along with Toppin. So if you could, if, if he could do something of that nature, that would be great. But as I said earlier, I'm not ready to make that trade where I'm packaging a bunch of guys yet. I'm not ready to do that yet. I like what they've done so far. They gave me a point guard. I've got two pretty good point guards if they can stay healthy. And Kimber Walker and Derrick Rose, i got two pretty good ones. All right, hopefully they can stay healthy, monitor their minutes, they'll be okay. Hopefully. But once again, if you're in the position, you just take a page out of Cashman and the Yankees. When you get to the trade deadline, you've got, you know, you've got some young players. You still have plenty of draft choices for the future. And I know you're really not trying to trade any of your ones, but you have the option. You've got some draft choices on the roster and some in the future that you will have. So for me, it's very simple. If there's somebody that I can get on an expiring contract or somebody that, that you know I think will take me to that next step that I can add right now, you do it at the trade deadline. But let's wait and see what you have. Let's wait and see what you have and how that works. And you don't know how long it's going to take for Kemba and Fournier to 
you know, work with and get chemistry with Julius Randle. And who is going to be the starting center? Is it going to be Noel or will it be Mitchell Robinson? Who who's that going to be? What's that going to look like? So this is what I'm I'm curious to see. And of course, you know, we're about a month away from guys from NBA going to camps and getting ready for the regular season. So I'm very curious to see what these young players are able to do. Especially, as I mentioned, quickly and Toppin. And for me, Toppin just needs to be a bit more efficient. Defensively, he was he wasn't bad last year. He was pretty good. And got better in the, as the season went on. Understood what this what this defensive plan is going to be. The pressure here is on the Nick coaching staff. You've got these young players. You've got a lot of talent. It's how you coach them up. How you get them to improve. How you embrace them. How you get them to understand what they have to do. And understand the speed of the game. And footwork and positioning and everything like that. And I just hope, and I don't see how they would end up with this many centers, but I really hope that we find some time and, and some, some playing time on the varsity for Jericho Sims. The kid out of Texas, because I liked him. I like what he brought to the table, his athleticism. I enjoyed his ability. And so you'd love to see him. Boy, Chapman doesn't make it easy, does he? Oh, we thought it was over, but no, they said uh, Albies fouled it off. So the game is still not over. You know. He raised his hand. The umpire raised his hands on the foul ball like it was over, like it was strike three. And, yeah, he fouled it, and he fouled it one tip. One bounce, one bounce to the ground with the slider. He had him. He did have him. So that's what we'll see. That's what I'm looking for with the Knicks. Can't wait to see them and what they're going to look like. Excited for the NBA season. Finally, to now look at a, a Nick team that is coming off a playoff berth. Yeah, I know it was first-round elimination. I got it. But, man, to finally see a Nick team in the playoffs and able to come back and hopefully build on that, it's been a long time seeing that. So you can imagine how excited I am. 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at ESPN at ESPNNY98 underscore 7 FM. Ooh, wow, pitch. But. Sanchez kept it in front of him. Nice job. DNL on Twitter says, Larry, if the Knicks are healthy, they should be able to win 46 games. RJ's improvement is key. We'd like for him to average 20 to 23 points per game, as well as Kimber Rose and Randall staying healthy throughout the season. I, I, I'll take that. I would take 46 wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would take that, and, and I agree with you. Because we talk, we talk so much about the rookies, and that's understandable because you want to see. But can RJ take that next step? Can, can RJ be the guy who is more consistent finishing at the basket? 
All right, the three-pointers, he's improved that. Okay, give him credit. He improved with the three. Now I need him to finish at the basket. He gets to the basket. He just doesn't finish all the time. So that's the next step for him is to make sure that he finishes at the basket. And his free throws even improved last year. So that that's the one thing you like about him is he, he wants to be good. He wants to be great. He's working hard to improve his game. He's made the adjustments. He's seen what it's like. He knows what he's got to do. And he's trying to make it happen. And the more talent you have on this team, the better he'll get. Okay? Because in practice, he's practicing against better people every day. You've got to sharpen your game every day in practice. And then you take those things on the floor with you when you meet the opposition. And so for me, his rebounding is good. His three-point shooting improved. And the main thing for me is, once again, he doesn't turn the ball over. Defense is decent. He's just got to finish at the rim. Just got to go up strong. He just has to finish. He has more shots that roll around and come out. It just it drives you nuts. <laughs> it's so frustrating. And it's gorgeous moves. He has, like, really moves. He puts the ball on the deck. Aroldis Chapman's just walked in the run. It's now 5-4 Yankees. And that's all for Chapman. 26 pitches in this inning. So the Yankees are going to the bullpen, and I'm going to the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Doug is in Long Island. Hey, Doug, you're next on 98.7. Hey, buddy, how are you? And, uh, hey, Doug, yeah, what's up? Hey, I hope uh, the Yankees keep it going. And I just wanted to echo your sentiments on the Knicks. I think they should just keep this progression going. There's a tendency now with the league, with even executives and now fans, with we're doing better. Let's win the championship. Okay, blow the whole thing up. They're not going to do that. They have to take their time and just become better and better. It took a long time to get here. And, you know, obviously I love my brother to death. And, you know, people are probably tired of me saying it. And Billy Donovan and I were talking about it. He put that team together. There were three guys that aren't his. He didn't have the right coach. And Sims was a good coach until he got here. And I still think he's a good mind. But, Tibbs is a great coach, I think, and, and he's fantastic. But I think that we now have to watch the progression. We all thought at the beginning of the year it would be Lakers and Nets in the finals. Mm-hmm. And look who won. And on your big man situation, Eaton is restoring that position. I was talking to Shaq one day a couple mm. weeks ago, and he was saying the guy was so good for the game because we were losing the big man. Everybody wanted yeah. to stretch. You know, Everybody wanted to be Porzingis. The 7-2 and you're shooting threes. Great skill to have, but get on the block sometimes. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you need to be able to make free throws, get out and finish at the rim. Either one. You know, but you're not going to, if you live by a three, you're going to die by it eventually. It's not yeah. always going to fall. It's true. Not only so with Trey Young, it's not always going to fall. But I want us to be as Nick fans to allow this progression. This took a while to get here. We never had space, we never had picks. That was the goal, and I know because the man was my brother. He said, I'm going to eventually fall on the sword, but I'm going to make sure. I'm a Knicks fan, 
Mr. Dolan give me an opportunity. When I leave here, this will not be blown up. I will leave this place better than I left it. And wasn't in the win column. But as Billy Donovan said to me, Doug, there's no way you can win and create cap space simultaneously. It doesn't happen. But you're written in history as a creative. But right now, everybody wants to kill you and get you out the door. You know, really, you take over the Spurs. You take over the Knicks. <laughs> you're right, Doug. You're absolutely right. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. Thanks for checking in. It The goal right now is sustainable success. That's what Doug is talking about. And you can blow it up and be good for a year or two, hopefully, okay, because you're getting older players. And then you have to, you know, redo everything maybe after a couple of years. But hopefully if you have sustainable success, as this team did in the 90s, then you just, you year after year, you come back and you're in it. You have an opportunity. You're in the conversation, okay, for winning the division, winning the conference. You're in that conversation. And that's the ultimate goal here. That's what you want to do. And you do that by having the veterans, absolutely, but the young players are your nucleus. And so when you have the young players and what they're able to bring to the table and you just sprinkle in the veterans, that's how you get that's how you get good. And that's how you have that sustainable success where you're a team that is that is in the in the running. You may not win it. You may be close. But you're right there. You know you've got a shot. You've got the talent, you've got the ability. And if things break right, you've got a chance. And that's where the Knicks are at the beginning of. And so the major part of that is coaching up the young guys that you have so that they know what they need to do. And the players who are your starters, that they elevate their game just a little bit. Because let's face it, Knicks surprised some teams last year. You think the fans were surprised. There were some teams that were surprised. And the first person that recognized it, as Wandy Peralta is now behind 2-1 and one to Freddie Freeman, who's a dangerous guy. This is, this is, hey, Yankee fans, this is a dangerous guy. Take it from me. Dangerous. Uh, and, and the one who noticed it right away was Kyrie Irving. One of the early net games, Kyrie Irving said to Tom Thibodeau, you guys play hard for you. They play hard. And that was, it's not 3-1, and, and that was the big thing, was that maybe they weren't scoring, but they were just out hustling you every night, and they were out fighting you. They were out rebounding you. They were out toughening you every single night. And if they and so they were in every game. All the next thing was was to try to find some scoring. That's how they started. And then all of a sudden, they found the three ball. <laughs> As you remember, this was a team that couldn't hit threes. Fouled off. It's 3-2. The moment of truth. Fouled it off. So once the Knicks, getting back to my story about the Knicks, once they found the three ball, listen, it became a whole different game. And they were able to score and play tough defense. 
And what happens were when they weren't scoring, their defense actually gave them some easy baskets to get going. So that's how they started to turn things around and get to be confident and perform well. Fouled off. Still 3-2. And that's how they got to be 41-31 and and get a playoff spot. And they won some tough games against some pretty good teams, right? You remember that? Remember that West Coast trip that we were talking about? And how that one would make or break them? And they ended up, some players didn't play, and they played well on the West Coast, and they found a way to win some games? Well, they're going to have to do something like that again this year. Okay? But once again, as I mentioned, more teams are expecting that. So the offense has got to be better and your defense has got to be even better. And you have to now you have to get these new players to buy into that same defensive scheme. It's a battle between Peralta and Freeman, huh? You okay over there, Brian? <laughs> He's not even breathing. He can't even talk. <laughs> I can't do this, Larry. This, this is not good. I know. I know it isn't. I tried to warn him about Freddie Freeman as oh, a Mets please. fan. Please, please, please. It's crazy. He he gives you, he wears you out. This is a nice battle, though. Not if you're a Yankee fan because you're dying, but this is a nice battle. Again, we, Freeman, and the thing about Freeman, he has such great plate coverage. See, that's the thing. But this is, the, now I'm just going to say this. Okay, this is the thing I get concerned about with Peralta. He loves the changeup. And the more you throw it, people get the timing of it. You've got to be real careful. He needs to change up something. No pun intended. Throw another pitch. Oh, he popped him up. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. You can breathe. Joey Gallo with the final lot. They get Freddie Freeman to fly out to left. That was a battle, though, between Freeman and Peralta. That was cool. The Yankees have now won 11 in a row for the first time since 1985. Thank you, Yankees, for taking two from Atlanta. Thank you. Wish the Mets had taken one tonight. Could they, you know, so they, the Mets could have picked up a game and now they're in this position, and they don't. They, 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 they stay the same. Unbelievable. Go to the phones. Steven is in Harlem. Steven, you're next on 98.7. Larry, what's going on, Larry? What's up, Steven? So I'm super happy the Yankees on in this amazing winning streak, but I see a problem. Okay. And that bullpen is going to be a problem. If we make it to the playoffs, we cannot keep playing like this. We will lose games in the playoffs, like tonight. I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I, like my heart was in my throat. Like I was going crazy. I know you were like uh, Brian the Brain over here. He was struggling. He couldn't breathe. Yeah, he told. He, I was telling him that I was watching the game on the streaming service, and I had to know my phone because if they scored, I know I had before seeing on, on, on the TV. So it was driving me crazy. I, I can't. They have to fix this problem. I don't know which way they're going to go. Either use Peralta or Green. Lewisic is doing amazing. They have to find an option to close out these games. 
I hear you, Stephen. Thanks for the phone call. I think Chapman will get right. Remember, it's only his, what, third appearance since coming off the I.L., maybe fourth? So you got to give him time to get back in, get back in rhythm. He was, he was better last night, so you just need him to be more consistent. That's the concern you have about him right now. Bruce is in Flushing. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Larry. Before I get to the Yankee game, do we have an update on Becton's injury from today? Uh, yes, we do. And I'll, you go ahead and talk, and I'll tell you what it is. I'll, I'll find it. I have it here okay. somewhere. Let, let me get to the game, the first mm-hmm. part and then the second part. In the first part, did you notice, you know, when they, the relay throws and the throw guys at, at, at the bases, Velasquez, he reminded me of Jeter. He's the captain of that infield, and mm-hmm. he is controlling where everything is going and making good relay throws and throwing to the right bases. You know he's in charge of that infield the way – now, I'm not saying he's Jeter, obviously, but the way Jeter would, would be in control, this mm-hmm. kid's in control of this infield. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, he's su- Becton suffered a concussion. Okay. Yeah, so uh, okay, well, it could have been worse. So. Yeah, it could have been worse. Um, no, but to, to make your point, yeah, you, he's just real comfortable. He knows his role. He he feels like he belongs on this team. He's not he's not afraid. He's not, the moment is not too big for him. He's done he's done some nice things, and you love him bringing the infield together. And you know, well, and it, it's a great story. And it's really going to be sad when he ends up having to be sent down, as you and I have had this discussion before. But yeah, I did notice that he did a nice job. And for all the people worrying about Chapman, don't be worried about Chapman because come playoff time, if Chapman is not Chapman, the wise guy's going to be a closer. Yeah, that's and, true. And he's done a nice job. Yeah, and one thing I noticed, you know, I, I think it's because they were playing in the National League ballpark. Usually he puts he puts a weight in at third base for, uh, for, uh, for, um, for Odie. And, mm-hmm. and he didn't because I think he was afraid – he was the last man on the bench in case he needed a pinch hit or whatever. Because right. if, if Wade's at third, the guy may be out of first base because he took a little time throwing the ball, and, and Wade would probably have gotten with the ball a lot quicker. I agree. He went in for that second. It's like he didn't get it right away, Bruce. He went in for the second clutch in the glove, and that's what cost him, and it ended up costing them a run. But here's the bottom line. Bruce, you won with Heaney starting. <laughs> well, 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 and it was good. He only, he only gave him four innings. It was, it was like, you know, okay, we're going to give you a chance to win tonight. We're starting Haney for four, for four innings. <laughs> he, he, he started Haney and said, okay, four innings, I've seen enough. Goodbye, Haney. That, that's it. But, listen, at some point I hope to see this heal back because, um, you know, it's, it's a pity. The one year where the Yankees really could have used a 40-man roster in September, yeah. we really would have had a lot of fun. Larry, yeah. take care. All right, Bruce, thanks for checking in. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Oh, man, I always love going behind my, my cousin Bruce right there. I got a lot of love for that dude. Um, listen, man, two light points in the question. You know, um, first point, like Stanton. You had a caller that called you yesterday. I, I don't forget his name. I, I think his name was Pesci. I'm not sure. But he said something about when um, Stanton got put to the outfield, it loosened up his body, him moving around, and it's made him a better player. I'm no doctor. You know, I'm no psychologist. I, I don't know what it is. But um, that guy was right on point with that. This guy's turned almost back into the, the player that he was when he was in Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen here. 
you know, I, I love to see stuff like this. Oh, man, I'm telling you, man, I love to see stuff like this, man. You know, um, similar to James Winston, like the guy who spoke to you earlier. Um, look, a lot of times when people fail, you know, we get on them, we get mad at them. You know, I'm glad James Winston is staying away from the crab legs, you know, and, and is controlling himself around females. But um, the way he was throwing that football yesterday, yeah, you know, he's, the way he threw that football yesterday, I don't care who he was playing against. I, I don't care if it was just talkers out there. He was throwing a pretty ball, man. Yeah. I mean, no wobble in the spiral. Absolutely beautiful ball. I mean, and a lot of times we get down on guys. Like, you know, I've been down on Staten, as most people have been. I'm sure, like, the whole football world was down on James Winston. But when you can recover, when you can pick yourself up off the mat, I got nothing but love and respect for you. And I just have one question for you, Lav. Um mm-hmm. You think you think Showtime could pull this off? I mean, I'm really pulling for him, man. I, I, I hope he beats Crawford for many reasons. You know, we discussed it a thousand times for many reasons. And um, you know, Showtime's got a great chin. He's not he's not as talented as a fighter as Crawford, mm-hmm. but that heart and, Goes and a that long way. pace that he fights with is, is, is undeniable. He, he's always pushing the pace. You think he could pull this off, last? I give him a punch's chance. I give him a puncher's chance, Buddha. I mean, he's got the experience. He knows how to fight. He's got, you know, he's got a pretty good chin. I think he's got a shot. I do. I would not be so, I wouldn't bet against him. I tell you that. I would not bet against him. Thanks for the phone call. I wouldn't do it because I, I really think that he's a guy that knows what's happening. And like you said, he controls the pace and he's a smart fighter. So. I I think, you know, the guile in the guts. As long as Buddha, he's not one of those guys that you see that walk into the ring and they age as they walk into the ring. You look like, God, he looked like he just aged five years going into getting into the ring. <laughs> so it looks sometimes. As long as it's not that situation, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. It, it, it should be a good fight, though. It should be a good fight. Mark is in Newark. He's next on 98.7. Hey, Mark. Larry, what's going on, bro? What's up, Mark? Oh, Larry, 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 Larry. I, I, Mark, I guess we're talking Jets, huh? <laughs> yeah, Larry. Larry, here's the thing. Okay, now, usually I'm either, I'm usually positive. I try to yes. look at the positive no matter what. Mm-hmm. I can't be like Rich Semini and Gary Myers. But I'm sorry today is not that day. I'm going to be like them. Larry, out of all of the years, of watching my Jets and their defense. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that I can Larry, Larry, were you, for me, I, I'm going to say it this way. I don't want to, but I am. We're using a stinky 4-3 defense. <laughs> that, that's number one. Mm-hmm. And on top of using the stinky 4-3 defense, we're using it with the hope according to Coach Salah, that we're going to have those those pressure on the end, those pressure guys that's going to get pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Don't care about stopping the run. Just get pressure on the quarterback. Okay, okay. So what happens? We lose all the guys that are supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. So where does that leave us? This is the nightmare I'm having. Not only are we not having those guys in the stinky 4-3 defense that's supposed to get the edge pressure, 
We're going to get gassed for 200-plus yards a game. <laughs> I don't think we're going to win the game. I'm sorry. Well, I think you'll win the game. <laughs> I, I think you'll think win. win I think you win. A, 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 Mark, I think you win a game. Uh, but but Carolina is gonna. You know, Larry, if you're the coach of Carolina, and and how many passes is Sam Donald throwing? He don't need none. <laughs> none. He's not throwing nothing. You know. Listen, Mark. I was reading the the the, the comments from the folks in Charlotte. They're wondering what's going on with Sam Darnold because he hardly played. He came on as the second guy. Somebody else started, and he came in, and he threw like what they say, like one or two play, one or two plays, or something like that. It went out. I was like, what is going on with him? So no, but listen, he, he, yeah, really. Here's here's the issue, and, and you make great points, Mark. And thanks for the phone call. Here's the issue that the Jets have, and uh, you know. Jay Blaze, NYC, mentioned it as well. They are in serious trouble because they have to find some personnel to play some defense. Okay, they do. You've got Jared Davis out for two months with his left ankle injury. Okay. You've got uh, defensive end Ronnie Blair with a hamstring. He He's supposed to be day-to-day. We'll see. Quentin Williams is coming back, so that's a good sign. Uh, and then today you see that, uh, you know, Makai Becton, left practice with a concussion, with a head-to-head collision in the 11-11. And Vinnie Curry, who a lot of people thought was going to be able to give them some depth in, you know, in situational passing pressures, uh, now has been placed on the reserve non-football injury list, which means he's done for the season. Okay? So now you don't have him. So now it's about Joe Douglas burning up the phone wires and watching, you know, who the cut the cut list. And, you know, tomorrow there's going to be cuts. Tomorrow, Wednesday, there are cuts in the National Football League. And hopefully, if you're the Jets, somebody will let somebody go that you hope you can fit into your situation, your your defensive scheme. Because he's not a three four guy, so he's not gonna switch now and play the three four. And he's he's made it clear. People have to step up. That, that, that's the way it goes. People have to step up. And, you know, when you've got a young team and it's the first time in your, uh, you know, under your tutelage and you're trying to get the scheme and now you're going to have to adjust the scheme a little bit to fit the players, it, it, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.